Bible reading comes from Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, which can be found on page 1011. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be able and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Pat. Good evening, church. Nice to see you. My name is Paul. I've met you. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, This is a Global Mission Sunday, and I've got one goal in my sermon tonight, which is to, to empower us and equip us and enable us to be better partners to just one of our mission partners. That's my goal, to equip you to be more meaningful in your partnership with just one of our mission partners. So we're thinking about this idea of gospel partnership or partners in the gospel. Uh, When I think of gospel partnership, I I think of a church here in Sydney called Northbridge Anglican Church and a church in Walker in northern New South Wales. And every year for the past 15 years, Northbridge have sent a team of men and women up to Walker for a week to to run a holiday Bible club. So, So men and women like you and I have sacrificed their annual leave and sacrificed their money to travel to Walker to run a kids club for a church that they don't really know that well. That that is gospel partnership. I think of a man who I know well who invests his wealth really wisely, uh, not in stocks and shares and not in his property portfolio. But this man, he pays single-handedly for an assistant pastor at a church in Sydney. Not our church, but another church in southwest Sydney who could never, ever, ever afford to pay for their own pastor but he pays for them. That is gospel partnership. Uh, I think of a couple at our 5 p.m. congregation who are now in their 80s, they were in their 70s, but a few years ago, they were planning, this is pre-COVID, they they were planning their their overseas holiday. And rather than going on a Mediterranean cruise, uh, Ros said, oh, why don't we go to Albania? Albania? Uh, yeah, that's where Amal and Sarah Lucia, one of our mission partners, I'd love to travel to Albania, to Peskopia, a little town in the middle of nowhere. I'd love to travel there just to encourage them in their faith. That's gospel partnership. 
And I think of gospel parties, I think of a lady here at 7pm church, and if you go to her apartment, her, her fridge is covered from, from top to bottom with, with postcards of, of mission partners all around the globe. And she knows every single one of them. She knows their name, name of their kids, their kids' birthday, she sends gifts. She treks around Sydney to every commissioning service. And every single Sunday night, she comes up to me with a, a photo of a mystery somewhere across the globe with a story about what's happening in their lives. That is true gospel partnership. That's our theme for tonight, partners in the gospel. It comes from Philippians 1, verse 5. He says, because of your, your partnership in the gospel. And that word partnership, it's, it's more than friendship. The word is actually a, a business term. It is two people who made sacrifices and actively work together for a, a common vision or a common goal. Two individuals who are committed to the same purpose and the same goal. They pursue partnership together. And that's what's happening here with Paul and the Philippians. They are, they are partners, verse 5, in the gospel. Do you see that? So the foundation of this partnership is the good news of Jesus Christ, his, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his return. The, the good news that our Heavenly Father has fully forgiven us by the sacrifice of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. The, the good news that the, the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon us. That is the foundation of partnership. The unity, the, the closeness, the common purpose is in our Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the thing, that, that word partnership, it's not a passive word. It's an active word. So just because you have a postcard on your fridge of somebody serving the Lord overseas doesn't mean you're in partnership. Because if you never pray for them and you know nothing about them, then that's just an acquaintance. You're not partners. The word partnership is an active word where it's saying you actively are invested in them, involved in their lives. You pray for them, you care for them, you love them. So you had Paul and you had the Philippian church. And they're in different places. So Paul is in Rome and they are in Philippi. Paul is in jail and they are wandering free. But they had this deep bond, this togetherness, this commitment to the gospel going out and so the Philippians sent Paul money and they sent Paul people and Paul sent Timothy back to Philippi to see how they're going in their faith and they worked together for the good of the gospel. There were people in Philippi who were yet to know Christ, people in Rome who were yet to know Christ and so these two groups of people they worked together in partnership so the gospel goes out. So 7pm church I hope you know that you are partners in the gospel with each other here tonight. You don't just sit in the same room every Sunday night for an hour and a half. You are actually partners together with a common vision of the gospel going out to the city of Sydney. You are partners in the gospel with our other nine congregations. You may never see them, you never, may never know them, but you actually have the same vision, the same goal of the gospel going out to Sydney. And we as the Bridge Church are our partners in the gospel with other churches here in Sydney. And we're not, we're not in competition. 
We're not parochial, we're not territorial. We've got this common goal to see Sydney one for Christ, haven't we? But we're also partners in the gospel with with our global mission partners, all 22 of them. And that's what we're focusing on tonight. How can you and I be more meaningful in our partnership with just one of our global mission partners? I've got three words for us. Here's the first word. It's the word thankfulness. Uh, Paul says in, in verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. Uh, sadly, I don't think many church pastors would actually say that. Whenever I think of all the people, my first response is, is gratitude. Well, when, when Paul thinks of all these brothers and sisters in Christ in, in Philippi, his first response is, is not to grumble but to express gratitude. As he thinks about Lydia, the woman who was converted in the business world, thank you, God, for her. He thinks about the the slave girls who was one for Christ. Thank you, God, for your grace to that girl. And he thinks about the jailer who's one for Christ. Thank you, Lord, for pouring out your grace upon that person. He's just overflowing with thankfulness for people. Now, he's talking about people. Now, Now, people, I'm sure, disappointed him. And people let him down and people had different opinions and they hurt and betrayed him. But, but he doesn't start complaining. He's just full of gratitude. And the foundation of that gratitude is in verse 6. It's God himself. He's, he's confident. He is assured of this. He's certain of this fact that, that God who began the good work in them It was God who converted them. It's God who opened their eyes to the gospel. God began the good work and God will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So so Paul doesn't feel responsible to make sure that they keep going in Christ. He's just thankful that it's God's work and he can be part of it. And I love that about Paul. As you read all his letters, thankfulness or, or gratitude is just his natural habit. He constantly uses that muscle of thankfulness as he thinks about God and his people. So here's one thing to do tonight. Just go home tonight and just pick one of our global mission partners. Just pick one and spend one minute, just one minute thanking God for them. You can do that, can't you? So thankfulness. Number two, affection. I love verses 7 there. Look at it with me. Paul said, It is right, it is natural, it's proper for me to feel this way about you. Not, not think this way, but to feel this way about you. Uh, verse 8 uh, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I love this, that Paul is not a uh, professional pastor. Paul has emotions. He, he feels deeply for people. I hope you know that the Christian relationships are not devoid of feelings. We're not supposed to treat each other like business partners. We're supposed to, to love each other deeply. I do a, a lot of funerals. And every funeral you have that moment where they have the eulogies or they have the tributes. And, and they're fascinating. You know, people share about where that person was born and what school they went to and what qualifications they got and what jobs they did and all the, all the things they achieved in life. And that is interesting and fascinating. 
But the most beautiful moment is when someone stands up and just says, he was my best friend and I really loved him. I went to a, an amazing wedding yesterday for, for Mark and Ivor Wally. It was incredible and amazing speeches. My father of the groom, father of the bride, Hamish was the best man and the, the chief bridesmaid. Incredible speeches. And every single one of them just basically said, I love you. You're special to me. That's how Paul felt about this church in, in Philippi. He, he loved them. Verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way. When he thinks about them, he, he, he's captivated by them, has his deep-seated affection. He says, I have you in my heart. You kind of think, is that young girl still walking with the Lord? And is that, is that teenager, has he given his life to Christ yet? And what about that man who's, whose wife died? How is he coping with that? And are they carrying each other's burdens? He said, I love you. This is not a facade. He says in verse 8, he pulls out the big guns, God, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection. The word is actually with the, the bowels, not, not a great translation, but this deep-seated, gut-wrenching yearning, I just care about you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Someone said it's not Paul who lives within Paul, but Jesus Christ, which is why Paul is not moved by the bowels of Paul, but by the bowels of Jesus Christ. Jesus living him gives him this deep-seated love and emotion and affection for this church. You know, I have that same feeling towards church that I've been part of. I think of my very first church, which was St. Ebbs in Oxford. And I think of Susie, who taught me hospitality. And I think of Harold, who really opened my eyes to global mission. I think of David, who discipled me. And I just love those people. And I think of the people at this church, many of whom have been led to Christ. I just love those people. I hope you feel that way about your Christian brothers and sisters in this church and all around the globe. Affection is such an important part of being a Christian. How do you get it? You ever been to an Anzac Day parade and you see these, these men and women sort of marching down the streets of Sydney and they have this bond because they, they've done stuff, they've done something together. It's a bit like when you go on a beach mission, you spend 10 days with these people, and you don't know each other that well at the beginning, but by the end of it, because you, you've got your hands dirty together for the gospel, you've got this deep-seated affection for each other. I don't know, maybe that's why here at the Bridge Church, sometimes it feels like our affections are a bit shallow, because we just don't spend enough time together. We don't get deep with each other, or real or vulnerable with each other. Part of being a Christian is that you, you, you share your life with each other and you get to serve together. Uh, someone said this, if you chase love, you will never find it. If you chase kindness, you will never find it. But if you give other people love and give other people kindness, you will find it yourself and then you'll, you'll find true partnership in the gospel. So try it. Love somebody well. Be kind to somebody else. And then you might experience true gospel partnership. Maybe tonight, just send a one-line email to that mission partner saying, tell me one thing about you. I want to get to know you so I can love you well. So thankfulness, affection, and lastly, prayer. Verse 9. Paul said, this is my prayer. 
And I, I love the fact that he doesn't just tell them that he prays, he tells them what he prays. This is my prayer, that, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. It's that gospel-centered praying. He, he doesn't just pray for the physical needs, he prays for the spiritual needs. He, he doesn't just pray for their health and their hobbies and their, their kids and their language learning, as good, as important as those things are. He actually prays most importantly for for their souls, for their relationship with God, for their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, because that is the most important thing you can pray for. It is lonely on the mission field. And they need our prayers that they will keep on walking closely with Jesus. He prays in verse 9 that your love, that is your love for God and your love for other people, may abound, the word there is overflow, increase beyond measure. Abound more and more and more. They keep on loving God more and more and more in knowledge. That is the intellectual sphere. He's praying that they would they'd be captivated by, by God again. That they would see more of God's holiness or God's justice or God's compassion or God's kindness. That they would keep on knowing God and love him more. And he prays that they would grow in their depth of insight. That is the, the moral sphere so that they'll be able to discern what is best. They would make good choices for the Lord. They would live a life that is pleasing for the Lord Jesus Christ. He prays they would be pure and blameless. That they'll be growing in holiness, set apart for God. Beyond accusations from a watching world, so on that last day when they meet Jesus Christ, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. He, he prays they be filled with the, the fruit of righteousness, that is a love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and self-control. He's praying for their spiritual lives. Because, you know, a, a deeper love to God, for God will lead to greater discernment. A deeper love for God will lead to more discernment in your relationships and more discernment in your workplace and more discernment in your spending habits. The more you love God, the more you live a life that's honouring to him. That is the biggest need of the Philippian church and the biggest need of this church and the biggest need of our mission partners. Way beyond what they need financially or or food or into their clothing and shelter is their spiritual lives. And I think we get this all wrong. I think we think the more you know somebody, the more you might give money to them and then the more you pray for them. And let's turn that on its head. The more you pray for them, the more time you spend on your knees praying for that person, the more you will want to know them, and then the more you get to know them, the more you give to them. But it starts with prayer. Prayer is the most important thing we can do for each other, for this church, and for our gospel partners. Why do we do this? So people can say, hey, those Philippians are incredible people. No. So people say, hey, Matt Pearson, our mission partner, what, what an awesome bloke he is. He is an awesome bloke. But that's not why we do it. End of verse 11, to the glory and to the praise of God. So that people might say, wow, this God of theirs is so amazing. To the glory and to the praise and to the honour of our incredible, majestic God. That's why we do all this stuff. So it's really quite simple. Being meaningful in your gospel partnership is about thankfulness, affection, and prayer. 
And if you like acronyms, that spells the word TAP. If you like visual aids, that every time you turn on the tap and get some water, just think of a mission partner and thank God for them and pray for them. We have the privilege tonight of having Matt Pearson, who's one of our mission partners, uh, here with us, and we're going to learn lots from him. So I'm going to invite Ed to interview Matt, who's serving the Lord up in the Northern Territory.